Hey, what's up, bookworms? We are back with another author interview. And tonight, guys, it's going to be the meeting of the mic because I am joined by the grimdark guru himself. This guy's is Mike Shackle. Mike, how are you this evening? Great name. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really good. I might yeah. have to adopt that grimdark guru. Grimdark guru, you like that? Well, well yeah. look, uh, I want to say first off, thank you. I was having a hard time finding matching copies of these books, and you did help me out with that. And I know it wasn't easy because I know after I reviewed your trilogy and told everybody, hey, go to this link right here and you can buy it. And they're all like, I, I can't buy it. It's it's not there anymore. So I heard you have some good news on that, right? Well, I, I have been promised. I've been promised that they're gonna the books are going to be back in the States and Canada from this week. So if they're not back in stock now, they will be very, very shortly. Outstanding. Well, you guys should all do that. I told people, hey, you can buy the digital version, but you know, there's a lot of people like me who still prefer the uh, the physical format and things like that. But let me tell you a little story here is uh, I first heard about We're the Dead, like a lot of people from Patrick, uh, one of your biggest champions out there. Yep. And he said, yo, man, I think you would just you'd love this. But here's saying Patrick's been getting me like a lot with that a lot. He's like, oh, well, Mike loves First Law. So I'm going to tell him every book I want to read is like the First Law. And this is when I was like, okay, all right. After he told me that in like two of them in a row, I was like, that wasn't like first law, my friend. So I, I put it on the back burner. You actually sent it to me. Really nice note and stuff. And I said, okay, but I will get to it. And I, I think we had interacted a couple of times on Twitter. And I was like, this guy seems like, uh, like, like I was talking before we went live here saying, I think we might have been separated at birth. We have a lot of the same things in common. We both love Red Rising. We both love first law. I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll give this guy a book a try. And long story short, as you know, now I, I did really, really enjoy them. And I, I got to say, I know that you consider it a compliment when I say, hey, I put this up there with First Law and Red Rising for me, right? Uh, th that, that sort of thing still blows my mind because at, at, at the heart of it, I'm that book lover that obsesses about the next Pierce Brown and can't wait mm -hmm. for the next Joe Abercrombie. And they're, they're my heroes. So, and I've queued up to, to meet them and get books signed by them. So it's very flattering and I don't actually think personally deserved um, when I get compared to them. Hey, so I respect they, the they hustle. Are. You got a picture of you handing your book to Pierce Brown. That's, that's, the, that's respect right there. Yeah. But I, I well, the, the funniest story actually was when I first time I met Joe Abercrombie, I was in living in New York and uh, he was doing a signing um, at the New York comic-con. So I said to my wife, you know, can we go down? I want to get this book signed. And uh, it, started, it started at 11 a.m. I got there like early because I was convinced I was going to be this massive crowd. And we get there and he's sitting on his own. There's no crowd. Like it was before he became like really popular. You know, he was like just on his own. Mm -hmm. And I came up and I put this book in front of myself. Please, can you sign it? And he scrawled in it and he said, oh, your accent, you don't sound like you're from here. Right. And I said, no, no, I'm British. And I took the book and I said, thanks, and just walked off. And I left my wife standing there in front of him. And, and Joe said, uh, you know, I, I would have spoken to him. We could have had a conversation. And she's just like, my husband's an idiot. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's really great. So, I mean, you've actually, like, spoke to Joe and people yeah, like that? Yeah, well, I, I, I was on a, a panel with him before the whole pandemic, Galance to the Festival in London. And I was on a panel with um, Tom Lloyd, uh, Garth Nix, and Joe Abercrombie and, and me. Um, and they're all like these really seasoned vets. And this is right. the first time I've sat on You're the like, stage. You're like, what am I doing this. here? Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're all like, and, and the, there's still this fanboy in me. So when they're speaking, I'm like, 
oh wow I'm, I'm interested in what they're saying and then like and what do you think mike and you're like uh, uh, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 really great so i think uh say that uh that books like first law were a big influence on last war you would say um i don't know yeah well yes the i mean i, I think when you love something so much it does influence you the the, the thing that really started me writing and getting back into fancy actually was peter brett's um the warded man novel um and i hadn't read fancy for a while and i picked that up and i read it and i was i just loved it so much and that then led me to discover jaya Crombie and patrick rothfuss and scott lynch and that kind of wave of new authors that all came out together um and then the, the more i started reading it the more i wanted to write something myself um and i think all those influences the sort of edged off on me somehow you know they're all i've got these well-thumbed copies of all their books and you know i like red rising every, every year i just sit down and reread them all just because mm. it feels good it's a real nice escape now i'm over the horror of what actually happens so i can just enjoy yeah, the story yeah, yeah. again yeah rereading dark age i was like i feel like i'm going back to the scene of a crime here <laughs> you know yeah. at least that, that, that was, was, that, was uh, that was really hard in places so theo here says he lives close to you and he picked up some signed copies with uh, the impressive illustrations are those the ones that you drew yourself the illustrations inside yeah i um well thank you rekindled reader again I, i'm not sure if my illustrations are impressive but the um and again, it came from me just thinking, well, if I'm going to sign a book, I've got to make it a bit more right. worthwhile. So I started doodling in them and, and things like that. And I'm obviously a big comic book fan. Um, so when I did, until last, I actually printed out a small little booklet of black and white illustrations of all the characters with little comic book blurbs next to them and, and things like that. Um, right. and, and Broken Binding, I've got copies of that. And then my local bookshop. Uh, so you're gonna do like someone asked that are you gonna are you guys are you planning on doing a special edition like broken bindings bring a lot of the stuff but i don't know if you're with like your contract with galance and stuff are you allowed to do that uh well um i'm not sure what i'm officially allowed to say about it. we should have talked oh. about this before oh okay um, so something all, in the works, maybe all i would say is stay tuned right. um yeah See, he's got me, guys. He sent me these. It's like the free sample. Now he's like, now you got to pay for the extra special edition hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, Matt, Matt might do you a favor if they were going to print them. Uh, that, that's really awesome, though. But uh, I got uh, Matt here asking, uh, you know, I haven't read Abercrombie. I'm wondering if he holds up to the Shackle books. So <laughs> Look, I, I, Joe, I love his books. I, I just think they're fantastic. And he, he yeah. has a way um, of being so funny with really awful things as well um and i, I don't think I, I do humor very well i just oh i don't know i was i was cracking up when i opened the first book and i was reading some of drin's dialogue i was like all right this cat could definitely be living yeah. in adua somewhere for sure because it, it, it really clicked that for me for sure but that's that's a great a great character. i've had someone asking guys i want you to read these so we're not going to get super spoilery yeah. or anything like that watch out for the comments i can't control what's going on there but no, the goal of this obviously is to talk to Mike, get you guys interested in reading it if you haven't yet. But uh, yeah, read them. That's all I'll say about it. But yeah. uh, hey, do you have a favorite character? Your own favorite? Like I know they all feel like your kids. Yeah. I know you're like like a Joe or a Pierce. You love to treat them horribly because you're just like a mean dad like that. But do you have a favorite kid? Uh, I, I I don't. I, I I love writing them all because they're all 
so different. Um, and and the great thing about have alternating you know chapters is you know you can only spend so much time in Darius's head, right? Because he is just an insane psychopath. <laughs> um, you know, and then it's good to then write someone a bit more wholesome and and pure like Dren. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but, but Dren just says everything that, um, you know, that, that you wish he could say. You know, he just doesn't care about anything. And, you know, he will draw a whatever on your wall. And Well, Tinstra's my favorite. Yeah. I, love, I think Tinstra's got the greatest arc in the, in the series. It's, it, it's, it's really impressive. And it was like not how you expect, you know, because I feel like a lot of modern fantasy I'm reading they don't do good character arcs like that anymore. You know, where you you start off as just completely worthless and you grow into your into your role, I guess you'd say, without trying to be spoilery here, guys. It's just I, I thought it was a very, very impressive arc. And like by the book two, I was like, okay, this is this is one of my favorite characters I've read. So very yeah, impressive she, work. There. She um it's really funny. When I first started writing it, Tinstra was this kind of you know, wise cracking super spy revolutionary character and it just wasn't working. It, it was, she was, I knew she was the hero, but I was, she was such a stereotype of a hero right. mm -hmm. that I, I was just bored within a couple of lines. And then I started thinking about what I would be like in a war situation. And I think we all would like to believe we'd be Arnold Schwarzenegger strapping right. on the guns, running to blow the commies away. But deep down, I have this fear that I'd just be hiding in a cupboard, hoping. Mm -hmm. That everyone passed me by and the, and the moment i thought that i thought it'd be really interesting to put a coward in this all yeah i situation. love that she's a great great fighter yeah. she's just a coward <laughs> i love that that's such a great idea i love this no I, and I, th I think even as she you know and i always say she makes the, the the wrong decisions all the time for the right reasons and even as she develops through the series and she gets better she still uses a lot of cruxes to cover up the reality that She's a coward, you know, whether that's anger, whether that's magical or whatever it is. But, you know, she, she does change and becomes very brutal by the end of it. She she, she does get a little, uh, yeah, gets a little aggressive. But, that way, but, guys. but you know, but that, again, that's the, 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 the one of the things I wanted with the book was everything has to have consequences, right? You know, and all our heroes pay a price for what they do. By then, no one walks away unscathed by what they experience, and I think that again um, is true in life, right? You know, we all carry the burdens of um, of what we do, right? And then you got Dren, who basically any of you guys have that friend who just like has no filter, just always says what's on the tip of their tongue. That's Dren, and there's something that uh, let's just say another character in here does that's like so like I was like, oh. How are they going to get out of this one? And then, and then, then that event happens, and I'm like, "How did you get that past your editor?" I'm like, "Jesus, I can't believe you got that through." I was like, there "Was this was this released? You know, uh, self published, and then it got picked up?" Because I was like, "Wow, he actually went there." So uh, impressive what, works for swinging what, that paper. What, what, what scene was that? <laughs> uh, it has to do with 300 people. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> In the kitchen, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, you. Well, I mean, I'm trying not to be spoiler, but you would, right? 
Oh, sure. It's like, I, what? I, what would you do in that situation? But I'm like, I just, I can't believe I, any book I've read. Like, there's always some way that something gets out of it at the last minute. And yeah. I was like, okay, he actually went through with it. Wow. It, it, it's really funny because my, my father always reads. I don't do beta readers or anything like that, but my dad always gets to read my books first. Um, and I I sent him We Are the Dead, and he, he I think he got as far as Darius's first chapter, right? So Darius, mm -hmm. if you haven't read the books, he's one of the bad guys. He's called a chosen. He has magical powers. Uh, and his magical power is the ability to heal any injury or, or sickness, which is a super lovely power <laughs> to have unless you're a psychopath yeah, right. and, and he uses it to carry on torturing people um prolonging their pain and, and my dad got to his first chapter and he rang me up and he's like are you okay <laughs> is this a prayer for help yeah no no well, no he, he was really worried he was like do you need to talk about anything you know is is this really in your head you know where did these thing, things come from yeah, um, uh, uh, the scenes with the arm was like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, actually, that my editor was like, OK, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to really do this. I, 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 I did a bit of a, you know, in Reservoir Dogs, when Mr. Blonde cuts the guy's ear off, mm. you know, the camera pans away. And that's I kind of did that when I first wrote it. And my editor was uh, like, you've got to do this properly. Yeah. So you know, my go, Google go searches are yeah. you know how how but hard you have to chop an arm with a meat cleaver and you know all that. Just time. describing the sounds, I'm just like, ah, yeah. yeah. Was, I thought you'd like this. You'd like this uh, from from Mustard Tiger. Your great name, maintaining a limber of hope in such a hopeless situation is really what made this series special to me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it, it's. I think the trouble. I didn't set out to write a grim, dark book, mm. you know, but I, I, I knew I was writing about occupation and war and it's not a happy place. Right. And you can, you can only turn on TV to see how awful it is in real situations. So that essentially made it very grim, dark, but the hope is what keeps us all going. Right. That, that it, you've got to believe that the next day is going to be a better, or you can believe you can win or you can overcome whatever you're in. Um, and all the characters have hope in some way that they just use it sometimes in, you know, not the best choice. They don't make the best choices in trying to make this stuff happen. Sure enough. Uh, ben wants to know, uh, was there anything in particular that spawned the idea for the story? Yeah. It, uh, I, um, well, I'd, I'd written three books before I wrote We Are the Dead and I'd had, interest from agents but they'd said this is good but not quite right and it was all super friendly and I, I, I was feeling sort of a bit depressed and I, I thought you know why am I spending all my spare time writing if I'm not going to progress and get better you know I've got a young family that I, I like spending time with and busy jobs um, and then I, I heard an interview with Driver Crombie where he said uh, the only advice he would give anyone about getting published is the longer you dance naked in the rain, the better the chance that you have of being struck by lightning, hmm. okay. which I thought was a great Abercrombieism. Um, and, and I realized that if I gave up, I would guarantee not being published. But if I kept going, I would always have a chance of being hit by lightning. 
So I then wrote down a list of all the things that I loved because I thought if I'm going to devote this, I'm going to write something that I'm really excited about. And I had samurai down there and, you know, cool women with swords and all that kind of stuff. And then I started, and this was late 2016, and there was stuff that happened in, in the US and in the UK where it just felt like me, to me that the bad guys had won. Right. Um, and, and, and I couldn't see any heroes coming over the horizon like Aragon to save the day, right? It's, as in life, it's always down to ordinary people um, to fix these situations. So um, with that in mind, I suddenly started thinking, well, I haven't actually read any fancy books where the bad guy wins. You know, Lord of the Rings, Sauron gets wiped out. You know, even, well, you name any book, really, the bad guy dies and the plucky hero wins. So I was like, well, what if Sauron actually won and killed all the heroes and, you know, all those ordinary people of Middle-earth had to deal with the situation? Um, and that really was then the inspiration for the books. And I, I sat down, I wrote the first book in, in like six months. It was probably the easiest book I've ever written in my life. Um, and I, I knew when I was writing it that it was going to be the one. So Dejaku, right? Is that, is that the name of the flying demons? Is there yes. an inspiration behind that one? Uh, so most of the, the names of places and monsters I've, I basically took either Chinese or Japanese words and twisted them slightly. Um, and, and that's how I got them really. Is Sakino Ori not an actual word? Is that, is no, that no, I made that up. And, and, I, and, I, and I, re I regretted that instantly oh. in the fact that I should have made it shorter. Because uh -huh. when you have to keep typing these things. I won't lie. When I just said it, I was like, I hope I'm saying it right. I, 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 <laughs> I can't, even, I can't even remember how to pronounce half of them anymore. <laughs> oh, yes, um, but even like the, the, the name of the country that the Shulka come from, uh, Gia, is the Mandarin word for home. And my goal, where they run off to, is the Mandarin word for America, right? I, I that's that's how I stole these things, you know. It's, and I'm butchering my pronunciation, but you know, that's how I got influenced. I saw the the cover of the first book, and I thought, oh, this must be like a Shogun book. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's got some of that in there. I think it's got a, no, no, a, no, a, no, it's, a lot it, of things in there. Yeah, it, it, it's really funny actually because there was there's a scene where. Tinster is trying to buy bread and she hasn't got any money. Mm -hmm. And um, originally she was trying to buy a bag of rice. And um, someone said to me, look, we need to change this because, you know, Asian books don't sell that well. And you're a white guy writing this. And, you know, I think it should be European and can it be bread? Okay. So, so, so I was like, okay, I can change that. That's fine. I'm thinking, like, every other word in here is Japanese or Chinese influence. You know, the all the culture is influenced from that. So I was like, yeah, change the rice to bread, but the rest of it's still pretty Asian. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think someone actually brought that up. It's like this feels like this is like taking place in like Hong Kong, but then all of a sudden they start saying like sawed off and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's a good mashup in that in that way i think yeah. so. well I, I, and again I, I stole a lot of stuff from the german occupation of france during world war ah okay two so that, there's a, a lot of that going on but there is obviously a lot of samurai and um, chinese martial arts and stuff going on there as well
yeah, so that concept about this just being being occupation, but it's like I tell people read the prologue, there's zero chance you're not gonna keep going. Cause like that's usually the last chapter of most books like this, yeah. you know. And it's to me that was just like I've never read anything like that, you know, before. I was like, it's almost like a I, I think Never Die by uh, Rob J. Hayes or something. I kind of said was it felt like a reverse Suicide Squad. This kind of felt like reverse Lord of the Rings in that regard. Like you're bringing yeah. up where it's like, oh, well, you know that part where the good guys usually win? Yeah, <laughs> reversed it and put it at the beginning. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of how it starts. So it's, you get down the muck really, really quick, really quick. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, if this was like a TV series, something like that, I was yeah. like, there's no way you're not watching it after the end of episode one. If that's your prologue, that's holy hell. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, I, and it's funny because it, it that, that first section was actually the last thing I wrote. So I actually originally wrote it starting after the occupation mm. and you meet Tinster and she's trying to buy a bread. Um, and, and again, my, my agent, uh, this fantastic chap, brilliant author himself, Rob Dinsdale, um, he said to me, look, you kind of need to see what happens. You know, we need that invasion. We need to see that moment. Um so yeah, and then the moment I wrote it, I was like, "Yes, we did. Yes, this is fantastic," and it sets Dren up perfectly as well because he's, you know, he's just being a dick from the beginning, and you you know exactly who he is. So All he cares about his girls and having a good time. I'm sorry. Here's how you know you found your people. Worst torture scene I've ever read. Worse in the best way. <laughs> we're all we're all sadists here. Uh, this is a great question. Is there a certain writing routine that helps you get in the right headspace? Yes, yes, completely. Um, and because I, I, you know, and when I wrote this, I had a full time job, um, and I obviously write full time now, so it's like different. So, my I had to get up at five in the morning and, and write before I went off to work. Um, so I'd, I'd get up, make a cup of tea, and then I actually was listening to um, U2's The Joshua Tree while I was writing. This first book and normally I, I can't write with anything with with lyrics in it but i knew it so well it just became this sonic landscape and and basically i just put that on and i could immediately get straight back into um the world and off i go hey i got a question for you worst song on joshua tree it's a lot harder than saying what's the best song on it yeah yeah no, I, I love them all. I think it's yeah, such one. Of, I think so too. I think it's perfect. Then we had this talk like around the time that uh, we were first like talking on Twitter. like that's. I was saying that I told my wife that I thought the Joshua Tweet wasn't the best U two album. I preferred Duke Kung Baby. Yeah. And then then when I started listening to both of them. I was like, well, shit, I can't pick now. <laughs> you know, no, so. but, but for a run of, of records, you know, to go mm -hmm. from War to Unforgettable Fire, um, through to Joshua Tree through to act on baby that's an incredible right you know and, and it's funny it, it, without getting a bit too woo-woo I, I think you know sometimes the universe shoves things in your way and i, I in the same way i, I heard the jarab crombie dance in the rain bit of advice by accident um i listened to the joshua tree for the first time in like 20 years um I'd, i used to love you too and i'd kind of gone off them and then right. i put it on i was like wow, this band's incredible, yeah. you know? And then since then, I, I don't think I, I go a day without listening to one of their records. Yeah, um, yeah it's like three or four yeah. perfect albums right there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm always going to rail when it comes to bringing <laughs> up uh, a UJ. I like this. Uh, it feels like Darius and, and Black Dow would make a great team. Oh, uh, well, I, yeah. 
<laughs> Darius is. Um, I just love writing him. He's just he's just great. And and uh, again, I can't spoil things for right. people that haven't read on. But let's just say I went from like disappointed to pleasantly surprised. That's what that yeah. Was. <laughs> so yeah, there's something really fun about writing someone who's just completely unhinged and doesn't realize it. You know, they just think what they're doing is completely normal and acceptable. What do you think about this one? By the halfway mark of until the last, you definitely had me rooting for Raku. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, uh, again, it was, a, it, and again, we've got to be really careful with spoilers. But yeah, I, I think he's great. I, I, I love the character, but um, I, I did worry about making him too powerful um, in the end. Because, and again, I had my, my dad was like, there is going to be a happy ending to this book, isn't there? <laughs> You, you are, there is going to be a happy ending, uh, and I was, as I was writing it, and all through the series, I've had a rule that no one is safe. It doesn't matter if you're a star of the book, right? You can be one of the main point of views. It doesn't mean you're going to make it to the end. Um, and all the way through, I was prepared at any point to kill off any character if the story went that way. Right. Um, and it so you didn't have it mapped out. It was, it no, was as you were no, going. Okay. No, it, it was. Uh, you know, I, I had certain certain things mapped out, obviously, but who lived and who died. Um, and and it's, it's quite funny. I was very lucky that again the ending of of We Are the Dead ended slightly differently. One of the characters was with um, Tinstra, and as I started writing book two they became completely redundant in the story um and i realized that i needed them back in the action um so i'm lucky enough they hadn't printed anything at that point so i had to write to my editor and i'm like can we just change the ending please i need <laughs> you know i need to get this character off the boat they need to stay where they are mm-hmm. you know um and then the, again the moment i did that everything clicked into place for them and uh you know, they did some crazy stuff. Uh, before I take some of these uh, other questions, I have a couple of things. First, um, if when I was rereading Dark Age, I was like, Osgood, why does that sound so damn familiar? <laughs> I was like, oh, Osgood's in Mike's book also. <laughs> it's just spelled differently. But uh, I think that that is such a fun character. Um, both versions of that character, put that way, uh, such, a, such a fun character. Well, it, I, I feel like if you ever revisit this again, I want like a point of view from his point of view story. That's what I would definitely like because he's got to be so confused. <laughs> this whole the, um, well, uh, you know, the, the 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 character's name is obviously came from as God, because mm. um, he was so powerful and full of himself at the beginning. But the when the other version appears again, I that wasn't planned. Okay. But, that that surprised me as much as anyone else when Tinstra turned that corner. Um, yeah, no, that's when Fool's Hope went from like I'm, I'm like this, like holy shit, this is great. Yeah, yeah. I love that twist. And that's that's yeah. that's that's a, a point in the point in that book where the, yeah. you're going to be along or you're not. Because I know some people don't like that technique. I thought it was extremely well done. I've tried, I've seen it try to be done in other series and doesn't quite work so well. But that, that was a that was a neat way where I was like, I feel like Mike's kind of painting himself into a corner. Oh, he had it figured out. Okay. Yeah. No, the um, it, it's funny because there's a 
a twist in book one that a few people have said, oh, this is really obvious. I've worked this out. And what, what they don't realize is the twist is really supposed to be obvious to mm. everyone other than Tinstra because she's so desperate at this point for anything to find the strength to keep going. She's willing to believe such a, a blatant, obvious twist. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you, if you spot it and you get it, you, you're meant to spot it and get it and realise that, you know, she's not going to be as, doing as well as she thinks she is. It's harder to not talk spoilers than you guys yeah. think that it is. So, okay, here we go. What are some of your favourite childhood fantasy books and how about present day? Okay, so I was super, super lucky when I was growing up. My grandmother, who's a wonderful, amazing woman, she was really into sci-fi and fantasy. And we went to see Star Wars together at the cinema when it came out. And I was eight years old and I, I was blabbing away to her about how amazing it was. And she said, well, if you like that, I've got a book you might enjoy. And she took me upstairs to where she had a bookcase and she gave me this copy of um, A Princess of Mars. Oh, nice. By oh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, right? And I'm yeah. like, it's a princess book. Why would I want to... <laughs> read this you know and i was at an age where i did probably didn't appreciate the cover art of the near naked woman and and things like that but she said no no trust me read it you'll enjoy it so yeah, i, I did that and i she had the whole series and i borrowed those all off her and i then read tarzan and and then i, I moved from that onto the elric michael moorcock books um and I, that was all the kind of stuff that i was really into and starship troopers and everything like that um and then i kind of moved away from it for a long long time um when i was reading more crime and that kind of stuff and yeah, so i met stretch, i wasn't reading any fantasy yeah yeah and then, and then i there were two books there was peter brett um awarded man um that got me back into it but i also picked up a this omnibus of david gemmel legend um doing those this december finally yeah white waylander and um the king at the gate was in it and again i read that and i was like wow this is amazing so that just then got me into this reading everything but now um i've just read this the judas blossom i just got my copy yesterday yeah, yeah. really enjoyed that that's out um in a week or two it's um, a beautiful cover isn't it yeah and then I, this is next up i've got to read by um I love great coats. I don't know how yeah. it just completely flew into my radar that that was coming out. I yeah. completely missed it. Hey, Sebastian lives not far from me, actually. So uh, we, that, that's a nice guy. Quite the nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's very funny. I really enjoy his company. So, uh, yeah, I like everything, really. I just, it's finding the time to, to read and do all that sort of stuff. You yeah. know what's funny about that uh, Princess of Mars is I moved here freshman year of high school, knew nobody. So we had an amazing library at my school. I like still look back and be like, I don't know how I got that lucky to have every Stephen King book at my, at my fingertips, all this fancy stuff. And I remember I picked up John Carter of Mars or princess of Mars. Mm -hmm. And I, all I saw was a cover and I thought it was a Conan book because it was oh, Fred, that art. Well, I like the, the, I should have mentioned the Conan books. I love those. Oh yeah. And, oh, and yeah. again, I was really like my mum would buy, she just wanted me to be quiet. Right. So she, I would read, go through books in a day and she'd go and get me another one. And, and she never questioned what I was reading or whether it was age appropriate or anything like that, you know, but again, those Conan books, fantastic. 
Yeah, I grew up in a strict household where it was like I had to keep it a secret. I was reading Stephen King, but I could read any <laughs> any fancy book with a half naked girl in the front of it. That yeah. was no big deal, apparently. But you know, Stephen King, watch out. You know, but uh, yeah, and then I started reading. I was like, wait, this isn't Conan. Who's this? And I was like, this is like a, a soldier. Now he's in outer space. But yeah. damn, if I didn't read that whole book that weekend and loved it and continued yeah, to read the Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah. That's yeah. What's amazing is I went back and revisited that recently. Yeah. And it's amazing. Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff's like 100 years old. And it it's, reads really modern. It like doesn't, like a lot of some stuff, even Robert E. Howard, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, go back and read. You get this. This just sounds like the way people talked a long time ago, you know, whereas with Burroughs, I'm like, this doesn't sound like it was written 20 years ago, much less that long ago. So, no, yeah, I, I, sure. I, 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 I actually quite like the film that came out recently. I loved the John Carter movie. Yeah. I hated what did the thing was when Disney knew that uh, they were getting Star Wars. So they just kind of like abandoned yeah. that. Yeah. That was really damn yeah, good. And really good. I still am in love with the girl who played Deja Thoris in that too. So I mean, that was like all of my like 15 year old fantasies come to life on film. So yeah, that was, that was a great movie. And I hate how it, it gets yeah. looked at now. People will be like, wow, this is actually pretty good. I'm like, I know. And they yeah, want to make a trilogy. Fine, it could have been so great. I, I, I actually got quite sad watching it because uh, all I kept thinking is my grandmother would have loved to have watched oh, yeah. it with me. You know, it was one of those kind of moments where I could feel a ghost almost on my shoulder sitting sure. there in the cinema watching it all. Yeah, that's how, that's how I felt with my uh with my my about my dad when I was recently watching Picard season three. Interesting, but he was big Star Trek and he was reluctant to watch Next Gen when it came out because you know he grew yeah. up with Captain Kirk and that squad and then really loved it. And it was like something we kind of shared together. So that that third season of Picard, which was just like everything I wanted the Star Wars sequels yeah. to be, nostalgia's yeah. sake. And I was just thinking, man, dad would have loved this. He would have absolutely loved this. So, yeah, I get that feeling. I, yeah. I, now I just brought everything down. Yeah, I? now we're all missing. I'm going to stop crying. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, have you ever used online writing workshops? I don't know what Scrub OP hole or any. I don't know what that is. Uh, uh, nor do I. Um, I. I've got a copy of it here. The, the book that changed my life. And it's right by my desk, so I still read it. It's John York, Into the Woods. Um, and it discusses story structure and why certain stories work. And, 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 and it's, it's technical in a really fun, approachable way. Um, the chap that wrote it is head of story at um, the BBC and does a lot of soap operas and things like that. Um, but he ran, after I read that, he runs a, it's basically a screenwriting course um and i i did that um uh, and that was again an amazing experience and it, it just really helped me work out the importance of conflict and tension and and turning points and and things like that and then the he has a, a roadmap of the perfect story that i use now when i sit down to write i use that as a skeleton to build all the events around and each book of the last war trilogy is based around that skeleton, but the whole series as a whole fits into it as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But that makes me remember that one I wanted to ask, was there ever a point where you thought maybe I should split this and just make it four books or were you contracted to only three or did you just make a promise? You weren't going past three. Well, no, the, the and I, I'm glad it worked out this way, but the, when we were discussing selling it, um, my agent said, well, how many, books is this going to be and i said why well, i think it's going to be about five mm. 
Okay. Uh, I, and again, I, it was really, I was thinking about World War II and occupation and the Battle of Britain years and then D-Day and then what went on. So that that was kind of my, my thinking behind it. And he was like, you know, I, I can sell three books. Five would be a push. Can you do it in three books? And I was like, yeah, I can do it in three books. But what happened was each book then just got, Longer and longer, and there are at least four books here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is. Well, the first one's one hundred sixty thousand. The second one's two hundred thousand, and the third one's two hundred and thirty thousand. Really, yeah, that pretty looks like the first book. Like, yeah. got eight by the the third book, I yeah. think. But yeah, it it reads really quick though, guys. I mean, I read one per month, and I was like anxiously waiting to get to the next one. So yeah. I, I, I I I try and work on. You know, you get to the end of the chapter and you you want to go. I, I need to find out. I, I need mm. need to know what happens next. Yeah, um, I, I might that. be a bit cruel sometimes in how I do that. But so, what's next? Are you working on your next book slash series? What is it? What's it about? Is it sci-fi? Is it horror? Is it fantasy? What's going on? What's going on? What's up to? Uh, I'm I'm writing lots. Um, I I have a couple of pen names that. I write under and put books under. Um, I, I have a under the name Michael Dillon. This is a British detective series okay. um, that's out and, and doing well. I've, uh, I've how many some, names do you write under? Uh, I have. I've done some children books under the name of Mike Arthur. I've got. <laughs> that makes me laugh when guys that write the stuff that is written here, like Joe Abercrombie writing Shattered Sea. I'm like, what are you doing, Joe? <laughs> and now you're telling me the guy who does what you do and we are the dead is writing children's books. Okay. <laughs> so I believe in me. And it's about a, a, a small girl who finds her courage. Um, and I, I did it for my daughter, who's she's now eight, but when I did, she was six or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, but anyway, the big fancy thing, I've got two ideas um that i'm having a chat next week with my agent over and i've got sample chapters and outlines of what he thinks best one is uh a kind of modern retelling of legend i would say um but with vikings mm -hmm. and again it was kind of one of those thoughts about you know what were, would it be like if vikings were standing on the walls of helm's deep um got my attention Yep. So, and then the other, the other one, uh, I basically describe as Batman with swords and magic. Again, I mean, which, I'm easy which, selling these things. Which, which is set in a kind of um, French revolutionary world where I, I, it's really funny because I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to write something grim. I'm going to write something that's really heroic. Um, and then the first chapter I wrote was basically a load of people being guillotined. <sighs> you know, I was like, oh, I'm not doing very well at this. You know happy stuff grim dark guru guys i'm telling you it's yeah. in his blood it's in his blood yeah you stick uh, with it it's awesome uh so okay. here's another one of the questions about uh amazon uh he's working on it guys he's he they, they assure him that it's getting fixed but i know there are a lot lots of people that message me after i reviewed it saying yeah, they, they uh, want to buy it and they can't the the the, the big chat and I, t I i totally understand why people wait for a series to be complete, complete. before yeah. they buy all the books but the knock-on effect of that is the publisher looks at how books one and two have been selling and then print or you know book one and they print accordingly 
for the rest of them. And, and thankfully, and maybe because of your great words, um, that and the fact the series is complete, there's a lot of people trying to buy the books now that weren't buying the books. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, Galantz have been caught a bit unawares and and suddenly they're trying to get books back out into the world. Um, I can't think of anything more frustrating as an author yeah. is when someone wants to read your book and they can't. That's got to be just like, oh my God. Well, I, I, and I, I, I get emails probably two, three times a day or message on social media by people saying, worry your books. You know, and I, I haven't actually, the first two books, I've only got one or two copies left myself because I've just been sending them out to people just like, I'm really sorry here. Um, I have one. Um, but no, they're, they're being restocked and it's going to be any day now. They'll be back in the US and Canada. And don't worry, I'll keep drilling in you guys' heads so you don't forget about it. I'm not going to let you. I've already had several people being like, oh, yeah, I meant to. Re-. And the thing about you saying about like not reading, I've been saying like, look, I've got so many complete series that I'm going to focus on those. What I will do, I still buy them. Mm. I still buy them because I'm afraid of not being able to get those matching sets or having to go on eBay to get book number one yeah. and overpaying for it. So I buy them and just say, yeah, I'll read them when they're done, but I'm going to buy them. You know, I figure that's the best way I can support the yeah. author. Yeah. You know, that, that, I, that, that is that is the best. Uh, but again, it's it's really fun. Like with the, I love the Expanse books, um, but I, I read the first six and then I kind of fell behind. And now I've got three or four books left to read. Mm-hmm. But I can't really remember what happened in the first six. And now I'm thinking, well, really, I should start rereading from the beginning just so I can finish the series. But then you're like, well, I've got to read ten books now, or nine books. Yeah. And that, yeah, but that, that in itself comes to, yeah, a massive commitment. Yeah, I'm in that right now. Uh, starting uh, book number five next month, which most fans that have finished it say it's their favorite in the series. So I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I, I love where it's going. Good. I love the series. Did you watch the TV series? Uh, I haven't. No, I, have, I watched the first one, and then um, again, my, my my time for watching TV is so limited because um, I've got two young kids that refuse to go to bed. Right. Oh. So, so by the time I finally get them asleep, I'll put something on the TV and then I get like half an hour and I'm nodding yeah, off. in the recliner. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I'd say that with me with hobbies is like I got three big hobbies, reading, uh, video games and TV. And I've yeah. only got enough time for two of those because I'm yeah. not going to like ignore my kids. And I still have to, you know, sleep so I can go to my job and make money to buy these things. So I feel like uh, reading is always going to be my number one. It's always locked. So I have to decide, am I going to play video games this week or am I going to watch TV? So it really just comes down to my wife. If there's something that she says we are watching, then I'm well, a team. Well, my, my son's uh, insane video gamer, and half time he just takes over the TV anyway. So I've got a, a chance of watching. That's where he got a switch where if he wants to play it, and like you can just undock it. You're not taking over my living room, <laughs> sir. But you know that new Zelda game just came out. We've all just been like playing yeah. it like crazy. So uh, it'll get you a gamer at all? Uh, I'm not. My, when I met my wife i think she had just been in a relationship with someone who was a hardcore gamer and she said to me that she would leave me <laughs> if i if i got into video games but I, i'm terrible i used to do the advertising for playstation and they gave me a a playstation um and i can't even remember what game it was but i couldn't get past the first challenge on the first level and i got motion sickness and all that kind of stuff so i've just not done it you know mm. 
All right. Well, I mean, what, what are you what are you doing right now for fun? Then, if you're not watching much TV, yeah. I mean, are you do all you're doing is just work, work, work all the time? I, I work, work, work all the time. I, I look after my kids um, and drive them around, do all that kind of stuff. Um, you're just a you're just a servant right now. So I am. Good. I am. I tell them that, but they don't seem to appreciate it. Mine are eleven and um, eight, so they're pretty much that point right now. Are like you know they're old enough to leave you alone, but they're not like old enough to leave here alone. So. Yeah. I think maybe that'll change once they start getting into more stuff. But they're they're happy just watching Netflix and yeah. No, no, no I, game, I, huh? I, I love my kids, but they have a lot of activities. But um, no, I, I like drawing. I, I do a lot of drawing and painting and things like that when I want to relax because that switches off my mind. Now you sent me that comic. Are you, are you doing any art in that comic, or is it just your story? Uh, it's a story, and again, this is amazing. I'm a huge, huge comic book nerd. My favorite comic book writer is Greg Rucker. Um, and he, he wrote The Old Guard, which is on Netflix, and he's got a new movie coming out called um, Heart of Stone um, with the actress that played Wonder Woman. Um, and he, he writes a, a comic book series called Lazarus, um, and he's got a Discord group, and I, I joined the Discord group to chat about what was going on. Um, and he saw my bio, ordered my book, read my book, and I got this email out the blue going hi this is greg you know would you be interested in writing a short story for the comic and i'm like is this really greg you know and i was like i wasn't like prove it but you know when it's like you know how do you get my email and all this stuff but we, we got chatting and um yeah I, I write and it was great it was this kind of futuristic war story where everything goes wrong um so uh i did that and i, I wrote it and then i had a one of those kind of imposter syndrome moments where I thought it was absolutely rubbish. And I wrote another one for him. And he was like, why have you done this? I really like what you've done. And I was like, Oh, okay. I thought you were just being nice when you said that. So, uh, but yeah. So you, are you hoping to like do some art for it or uh, not? No, not art. I, I think, um, but the, um, I'm just going to, I'll tell you sure. I'm for this. Oh, but again, one of my favorite artists is a chap called Michael Lark. Um, so he illustrated the story. Um, so again, it's just like dream, dream come true time. You know, it's yeah. just I got a, a story in one of my favorite comic books illustrated by one of my favorite artists. Um, I don't think I'm good enough to illustrate a story myself. Yeah, I think that I, I have those moments uh, here. Like I couldn't imagine five years ago that I was going to talk to Pierce Brown and Joe Abercrombie and, you know, people like that. I, it's so it's, 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 it is surreal when you get those moments, you play it cool. You know, when you, when you actually like talking, because people ask me all the time, like, oh, are you nervous to talk to someone? So I'm like, I don't get like starstruck or anything yeah. like that. But I mean, I still will sometimes I'd be like, I can't believe that this is happening to me, you know? So it's okay it, to it, enjoy those moments. I think. Yeah. No, I, and I'm very grateful for, Everyone I've met in the book community, it doesn't matter whether reviewers, bloggers, authors, publishers, they've all been really super nice yeah. people. And we've all got this kind of bond over the love of books and stories and things like that. So it's, it, every day I feel privileged doing what I do. Oh, I and love I, the... I'm uh, very grateful for people, you know, buying my books and enjoying them. I love the little like uh, author community that I follow mm. on Twitter, the way you guys all bust each other's chops and the yeah. in the most pleasant ways. But uh, it, it's 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 all in good fun. I have, I have a great time with that, and I'm serious that that that's the kind of stuff that makes me want to read an author, mm. seeing that they're just normal people like us, you know, us peasants. No, it's, and, and it, uh, so once a month I meet up with Ben Galley and Sebastian 
the Castell and we go and have burgers and you know bitch and gossip and I saw Ben Galley's I saw his uh I guess he's got like that matching set that he was giving yeah. away and I was like well you know if you got an extra <laughs> hey, he has, he, I, I'm getting the extra first. You know, yeah, but, right. Uh, right. Jack Kirby or Jim? I'm going Kirby, but it, it Jack has Kirby to be Jim. Kirby. There isn't. Um, I don't actually like Jim Lee that much. Really? I, 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 I do because of what he represents in the '90s and a moment like that. But Kirby, yeah, every day, every day of the week. I mean. I it, growing up in the UK, you used to get these black and white reprints of American comics, and I I, I had a next door neighbour who's my his, he had two older brothers, and they had all these Fantastic Four books that I, I and I couldn't even read at this stage, but I was looking at all these Kirby images, and I was just like, this is what it's all about, you know. This, mm-hmm. Basically, when I was four year, years old, I developed all my interests, and I haven't matured since then. Oh, I'm with you. Like I said, it was uh, all just passing comic books around the around the neighborhood. When I was a yeah. kid. It was all Jack Kirby. It was all Justice League. It was all Avengers and, and X Men. You know, Stanley. I mean, that's, that was like, like it to me. And we never ever had this thing that people have now. Or like, oh, do you like this or that? We were like, man, I like all the superheroes. Yeah, I, t- I would. Uh, never it, it, it's funny because my son, we're watching something. It's like, oh, the special effects aren't very good. You know, the CGI is a bit rubbish. And I'm like. You do not know what I had to put up with, right? There was a Spider-Man who who had this string come out his hand, who then, you know, climbed up a wall that you knew was <laughs> like Batman ground, you know. <laughs> yeah, my kid uh, was was he was complaining we were watching uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. It looked amazing. It looked amazing and he's like saying like, "Oh, that didn't look that good." I'm like, I had to watch two guys in rubber suits. Yeah. Shut the hell up, you brat. <laughs> I was like, this looks incredible. You showed this to me at eight years old, and it would have oh. melted my brain. So, yeah, they're spoiled. Yeah. They're spoiled. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's kind of how it's gone with a, a superhero generation. It's like, it's cool that like they're into like the stuff that I was into as a kid. But, you know, sometimes I'm like, you don't know how lucky you are, damn it, because we had some really, really bad stuff. And we had to love it because yeah. we got one comic movie like every four years. And no matter how how bad it was, so, you know. I, and again, I was very lucky. There was a comic store, um, probably forty minutes drive from where I lived, where they had the the good stuff, the American stuff. And, and my poor old parents would, you know, once a month get in the car and drive me over and stand there patiently while I ran around like a idiot on crack trying to grab stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love all that sort of stuff. Frank Miller, man, uh, big. I love his run on Daredevil, and to me, that is Daredevil. His run, like all that stuff that people liked on the Netflix Daredevil show, that was all Frank Miller stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really good. That for that that, that I, run with Electra, so I, good. I, I, I love both of them. Right? There's no, you know, oh, they're both very different. But the the Frank Miller book that had more effect on me than anything uh, is the, when he left Daredevil and he did a samurai book called Ronin. Oh yeah, okay. Um, uh, and I won't go darting off, but I, I actually have. They they did this amazing reprint of the original artwork from it, um, which costs a huge amount of money, which I've got, and I've got four or five different copies, and everything in that um, has stayed with me. There, there's a, a my company that I have here now is called Ronin um, because of that. There's a reason most of my books have magic swords in. Um, you know, the, the Japanese influences 
a lot of that comes from from there. Did he tell um, them if they if they use this sword, they will take no damage? <laughs> <laughs> See, read it, guys. You'll understand yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, no, Frank Miller. I, I, it kind of breaks my heart a bit seeing what he's doing now, because um, his old stuff was so much better. I haven't seen anything. I mean, look, to me, it was like Daredevil, Dark Knight Returns. I'm good, man. I, I love this. So, did he do 300? Frank yeah, Miller do 300? Yeah, I think he did 300. I think that was probably the last thing I read was 300. Yeah, and Sin City and things like that. But yeah. Um, yeah. Once you get published or get a publisher, do they expect you to keep writing that genre? And do you get around that with the pen names? Um, yes and yes. And I, I think it's not just publishers, it's also Amazon. Um, because if you're a fan of a Mike Shackle book and they will then say, Mike Shackle's then written this book, um, order it. And if you find it's a detective book or a, you know, children's book and things like that, you're going to be angry and fed up. So um, a lot of that is to keep the algorithms happy. Um but yeah, if if you're you're you if you're a fancy author, you're a fancy author. I've noticed the the, the authors I've spoken to, if they've wrote like a long fantasy series, mm. or if they wrote a long sci-fi series, it seems they want to flip to the other one with the next series. Like a good friend of mine, Chris Verrocchio, writes a Sun Eater yeah. saga. He's saying he would love to write a fantasy series after this, and then Pierce Brown saying he'd like to switch to fantasy after he finishes Red Rising. So, but like, there's obviously. Reason yeah, they, can, I, they call I, it SFF I, because I, there is a fine line there, but yeah, I, I think I think fantasy and sci-fi is a, a bit easier. But um, like Anthony Ryan's just written a uh, a thriller, and I think it's under the name AJ Ryan um, instead of Anthony Ryan, for example. I have Blood Song, and everyone yeah. tells me that I will love it, and I've never read it. But yeah, the, 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 there's some very big authors that. I can't stand. Um, and I'm, oh, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Anthony Ryan's one of them, but there, there's some really big authors that I've desperately tried getting into. Mm. And in fact, I got compared to, to one. Um, and I've, I've only ever tried one of his books and gave up halfway through. And I'm like, well, yeah, great. If you don't <laughs> want to say you don't have to, I'll tell you my mind recently is like, everyone tells me I should love Mark Lawrence. Yeah. And I think Mark Lawrence is a super talented writer. It's something about his books just don't click for me. They have have never clicked for me. And I've tried four of them. And I'm like, I feel like yeah. I wouldn't give any other author four books of a try and say they haven't been for me and keep and keep trying. So I was just like, okay, look, it's just gonna be one of those things I clearly, I clearly miss on. And I know that that upsets people, you know, when it's a or a viewer or an author or something like that, that they trust. And then they say they don't like something like you think I love it when some of my fellow booktubers trash Dune. No, I, hate that. I, th I think that's what's amazing about books, right? Is there's, there's literally something for everyone. everyone you just got to find, you know, they you know, Brandon Sanson, people love him to death, but they're going to be a group of people out there that just find them boring. You know, it's just, but then you just got to find the people that, you know, get you excited and you look forward to them there's so many books you're never gonna have time to read you know the stuff you like let alone the stuff you don't like so um, well, that's what's I, got me in trouble a couple of times i said about like I, I if i'm waiting for a series to be done i'll buy the yeah. books and then start it and then that time will come and i'll read book one on and i don't like it and i'm like uh oh <laughs> that happened to me with uh with the poppy war by rf kwan i was like oh no <laughs> yeah, i have all I mean, these yeah. nice hardcovers yeah 
No, I've got, I've got them. Uh, I've, and I've read all those, but it, uh, they're very unrelated. And, and this is the tr- trouble with Grimdark. It is, and I think this is where the hope has is so important. Because if it just becomes so depressing and yeah. so mm-hmm. relentlessly miserable, yeah. you know, and, and especially, you know, I, We Are the Dead came out in North America a, a week after the world shut down with the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? And having a book out called We Are the Dead, that, you know, as grim as it was when the world was scared witless. Mm-hmm. Um, Bad timing was a challenge, and, and I and to be honest, I found writing until the last very difficult during that period as well. Um, just just because the outside world does have an effect on you, and mm. you know, going to dark places, yeah, no, and getting their arms uh, chopped off becomes not quite the escape it used to be. When I asked Pierce Brown about, he you know he he threw two hundred manuscript pages in the trash for a Lightbringer. Uh, and I just kind of asked him what it was about. And he was like, you know, I was in a bad place during the pandemic like everybody else was. And I yeah. just said, that's it's just no, negative energy on the page. So yeah. and well, now that I've read it, guys, I'll tell you, there's still a lot of negative energy on the page. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm very, I, I've deleted a, a lot. I think some 75,000 words got chucked out of the second book. No and kidding. probably more got chucked out of the third book. You know, because there, there's... I'm always wary of that advice where people go, you know, you just got to finish the book and edit it, fix it in editing. But if you're writing it and you're knowing it's not working and you still got another hundred thousand words to go, like, do you just carry on or do you actually accept this isn't working and mm-hmm. scrap what you've done and, and restart? And it can be very brutal, but you've got to make those choices. Yeah, I think so. I mean, why would you want to put out something that you, yeah. don't feel comfortable with or, or confident yeah. about. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. So before I let you go, I got to ask you like the two big questions. Favorite first law character and favorite Red Rising character. You should have warned me about this beforehand. No, so I no, know. It's twice on it. the spot. Um, I, well, out of the first law, the original three books, I would have to go with... Um, Logan Nine Fingers because that's mm. just but my favorite book of his actually is uh, the Heroes. Mm. Um, I can and, see that. I can see that. <laughs> and I can't remember who's the the chap with the big sword that takes his shirt off because he knows oh. he's not going to die. Oh my god! Now you put um, me on the spot. I know who you're talking about. You know the guy. Love him, and also um, the bodyguard with the the lisp. Brimmer? No, the, not the lisp. The, the high voice? Yeah, the high voice. Remember Dan yeah. Gorst. Yeah. Uh, he's just amazing, right? Because he's just this animal yeah. who really is a mouse. Like you know, the, right? the the most badass swordsman ever, but if he talks, you're just going to start laughing. We're in, We're in the blood. Thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you, guys. Um, and also, in the new ones, I, I love Rick, Ricky? 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 Yeah. yeah. Or however you say it. Everybody had yeah. their different way of saying it. Ricky. I said Ricky. Um, but yeah, Red Rising and I love, you know, I love these books so much. Yeah. Um, but I'm Darrow all the way, right? Just, you know, the whole time I'm like, ah, I like Severo the best. I like that. But like, while reading these newer books, I'm just like, I need to get back to Darrow. I need to see what Darrow's doing, you know, because Darrow is a driving force of the story. So it's it, it's hard that, you know, you always want to just be like, ah, let me like not pick the main character. But yeah, no, but again, in, in the the later ones now he's got multiple point of views i totally understand people's troubles with that 
because you, you've been, you know, you've had three books just in one person's mind, and then suddenly you've got these other characters, and you, you like, you, you crashed my party. Why are mm. you here? And and some of them take a a bit of time to grow to like. Um, I uh, hosting this read along. A lot of people yeah. were like, "Oh, Lyria, Ephraim, I don't need these two characters. I want my characters back." But yeah, oh, they they're fantastic. In. I love them to death. They're just, yeah. you know. But I'm so grateful that he did because it makes everything so much more powerful. Because Darrow is a bit of, you know, Superman. Mm. Again, I know he makes bad choices, but you know he's going to win. But to make you care about Lyria of Lycos or Ephraim, you know, is it Ephraim B. Horn? Ephraim you know, Horn. He's fantastic. You know, he's just, again, he's a, a man that makes all the wrong decisions, probably for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's got a broken heart that he's trying to deal with. I, I love I, the sequels. I don't know why people yeah. give the sequels a hard time. I think it's just because they do get so much more bleak than that original yeah. trilogy. And it is the, the multi-POV words. I loved it. I love seeing. Mm. What do other people think about, you know, Darrow and Virginia? What do they think about them? You know, and so I love I love seeing that. No, I, I love all, the, you know, Lyria when she's going, you know, I hate them. You know, mm. they're supposed to be the saviors of everything. But they've just made her life so much worse, you mm. know. I, I can't wait for Lightbringer. I'm quite jealous. I will it. say you will not be disappointed. I finished it uh, late last night. I stayed up a little late and I finished it last night. It's it's incredibly long. It's, it's emotionally draining, as you would expect a Red Rising book to be. And I cannot wait for the next one. <laughs> so I was really in it, uh, the the last book's called Red. Is it Red God? The last Red God. Book? Red yeah. God. I was kind of disappointed they didn't call it Red Falling. Red Fallen. Falling. Well, if Red Rising is the first book. Oh, Red Falling. Red, I kind of do the, the Expanse thing. Leviathan wakes. Leviathan yeah, falls. Yeah. But no, I, I, I can't wait. I really, I, I was happy that he couldn't finish it. In I mean, like at first, years. I was like, oh man, I thought it was gonna be finished. But I was like, but you're telling me I got a yeah. seventh book? Yeah. Okay, okay. So, well, I appreciate this, man. This has been great. Uh, I hope that uh, more people continue to discover the series, and Amazon will allow them here in the states to. Yeah. actually get it in their hands and check it out because i'm pretty sure that the they read that first book they're going to want to keep going with it and uh i can't wait to see what you write next I, especially this this batman with magic and sword that sounds pretty you see, every, every, uh, and that's the thing and I, I, everyone gets excited when i say that well yeah i mean how can you not i am a bat fan at the end, yeah. at the end of the day you know so it's hard not to so uh anything you want to say uh, before we go uh, uh, lovely chatting with you you know you're obviously a man of wonderful taste um, and I do appreciate all you do. And thank you to everyone who buys the books and wants to try the books. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. And follow him on Twitter, show. guys. He's very amusing on there, especially when him and Ryan Cahill start like, like Ryan couldn't figure out how to reverse an image. And Mike did it for him. He was like, you're a fucking wizard. And I was like, that was really not that hard, Ryan. But hey, <laughs> like, like, two seconds. Well, I couldn't understand why I, like, I don't know how to do like, this. Ryan, I'm pretty sure he probably just did that on his phone. For guys. Yeah, even my dad could do that. You know, so yeah. Well, no, right, right in Carhill, I think, um, again, he, uh, what I love about his books is, uh, and he's, a, a, sorry, and I know we're supposed to be finishing, but he's a, no, no, it's fine. he it's has fine. every traditional trope that a fancy fan would want in a book, but he does it in a way which feels modern and fresh. Mm -hmm. And we all, and they're tropes for a reason, because we love them. Um, and where they're boring is when they're just regurgitated without any imagination. And and I, I actually said in a review, I think he could be the modern Tolkien or um, Robert Jordan because I think he's creating something 
on that level, but it feels very 21st century and not um, old school. Yeah, I'm, so people got, go buy. I've got just well. the just the big boy left of Born Ruin. I'm going to be doing that yeah. this month. But yeah, it's a uh, he's very very talented. I'm very excited yeah. to continue. And like you said, I love those tropes. I mean, that's why I'm here. Yeah, I, I love dragons. Yeah. I love a chosen one. I love a dark lord. This isn't this isn't this isn't science. I, no, I that's it. the reason why we got into this stuff. Yeah. It is. Right. Uh, if you guys Thank want to, uh, all those tropes kind of reversed. Yeah. Get to it. Get to it. So thank you for joining, Mike. And uh, we will talk soon. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it. All right. Take care, my friend.